One of the best ways to support the FTF podcast is to check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, interviews, and plenty more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast, where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Derek Baker. And today we're taking it to the new iteration, at the time, of Rhythm Games, the game that I spent way too much time and money on, and that took up many a young teen's lives in the mid-2000s. That's right. This game was not just buying the guitar controller anymore. You were buying a guitar controller. You were buying a drum kit. You were buying a microphone. Maybe you were buying a second guitar controller so that mm-hmm. someone could play uh, bass with you. But this game 100% took not only, I think, the video gaming industry by storm, but just casual gaming communities by storm. It took yeah. music interactivity to a new level. And I think it made maybe possibly aspiring musicians interested or it made people more interested in music as well. But today, of course, we're talking about Rock Band, the follow-up to the rhythm game genre's Guitar Hero. Um, this is one that you and I, uh, we, we played quite a bit. We had our own band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, had a good time with this one. Yeah, it, it's it's a fantastic game. It, yeah, you're right. It it kind of revitalized the rhythm game series com- coming off of Guitar Hero um, and bringing more to the genre. So let's talk about it today. So Rock Band is a music video game developed by Harmonix, published by MTV Games, and distributed by Electronic Arts. It is the first title in the Rock Band series. And the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions were released in North America on November 20th, 2007, while the PS2 version was released on December 18th, 2007, and the Wii version, for some reason existing, (laughs) launched on (laughs) June 22nd, 2008. Now, as we know, Harmonix previously developed the first two games in the Guitar Hero series, which popularized the gameplay of rock music with guitar-shaped controllers. After development of the series was shifted to Neversoft, Harmonix conceived Rock Band as a new title that would offer multi-instrument gameplay. The game allows up to four players to simulate the performance of a popular rock song by playing with controllers modeled after musical instruments. Players can play the lead guitar, bass guitar, and drums, parts to songs with instrument controllers, as well as sing through a USB microphone. Players are scored on their ability to match scrolling musical notes while playing instruments or by their ability to match the singer's pitch on vocals. Players with the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions can interact with players on the same platform through both online and offline multiplayer capabilities. In addition to the 58 core songs included on the game disc, over 2,000 
downloadable songs were released for the 360 and PS3 versions. Now at launch, the game's software was made available in a bundle that packaged it together with the instrument peripherals, as well as for purchase separately. Individual instrument peripherals were released at a later date. The game received widespread critical acclaim, with sales of 4 million units and global revenue of 600 million US dollars. Players have made over 100 million DLC song purchases since Rock Band's release. And the game's success prompted the release of six sequels, Rock Band 2, The Beatles Rock Band, Lego Rock Band, Green Day Rock Band, Rock Band 3, and Rock Band 4. Yeah, this game definitely took the world by storm. These were so hard to come by. Getting these kits Mm -hmm. was so difficult when this came out. It was sort of reminiscent of what was going on with the Wii at the time, where it's like once these things got into the stores, you had to get there super quick, pick one up, and, and get home. I remember waiting like multiple weeks before I was finally able to get my hands on one. But mm-hmm. because of the fact that these came with so many different instruments, these big kits, you were able to probably have some friends that you could just go and experience this, at least play before you were able oh, to yeah. get your own. So there was that benefit once you were finally able to get a kit or know someone that got a kit. Absolutely. Now let's talk about harmonics a little bit. They were founded on May 10th, 1995 by Alex Rigopoulos and Aaron Igazi, who met while attending MIT. Igazi was an electrical computer engineer with an interest in music, while Rigopoulos was a music composition major with an interest in programming. Both met while working in the MIT Media Lab. After building a computer music generation system that could algorithmically create music on the fly, the two considered how one could use a joystick to control the system and set up a demonstration of the unit for the lab, which gained interest from others in the lab. And the two realized that after graduation that they probably couldn't pursue such ideas working at any existing companies, so they chose to start their own. The company was built on the premise that the experience of performing music could become accessible to those who would otherwise have trouble learning a traditional instrument. The company was initially funded with about 100,000 US dollars, and for the first five years had nearly zero revenue. The company's earliest product was The Axe on PC CD-ROM. The Axe enabled consumers to easily perform unique instrumental solos by using a PC joystick. This product only sold about 300 copies, with Rigopoulos and Igazi realizing that people, while initially entranced by the game, lost interest after 15 minutes of playing with it. Harmonix then designed Cam Jam, which performs similar functions, this time using simple body gestures to trigger music sequences. Cam Jam was utilized at Disney theme parks, and this led the two to consider approaching entertainment businesses like Dave and Buster's to include their products but they soon realized that this would be a year-to-year-and-a-half effort, which was too long for their needs. They then considered the entertainment industry in Japan, where in 1997 was taking off with the introduction of karaoke bars and music video games such as Parappa the Rapper, Beat Mania, and Dance Dance Revolution. They attempted to sell their cam jam equipment to these entertainment centers, but found little interest. They came to a realization that games like karaoke were popular not due to personal expression, but because they encouraged players to try to accurately recreate the songs through their actions. 
These games also focused on bringing musical experiences to gamers through simple, understandable interfaces commonly found in games. And with this realization, the two returned to the United States and regrouped their company as a video game developer, though they had to let about 40% of their current staff go. Harmonix's first video game was Frequency, with its development funded by Sony Computer Entertainment, along with about $2 million U.S. million in investments in the company. A key factor of Harmonix's contract with Sony was that it was allowed to keep its intellectual property, which allowed for Harmonix to build on the game for its future endeavors. The game's development began in 1999, backed by a larger team at Harmonix, many of whom were musicians. Featuring songs by a number of underground electronic artists, Frequency allowed players to perform and remix a variety of music. The game was backed by SCEA Vice President of Product Development, Shuye Yoshida. Released in 2001 on the PlayStation 2, Frequency was critically acclaimed and won numerous awards, though it failed to become a mainstream success. Harmonix developed a sequel, Amplitude, released in 2003. Several changes were made from its predecessor to broaden the game's appeal, from gameplay tweaks to a more mainstream soundtrack. And again, Amplitude achieved awards, critical praise, and a small cult following, but it was not a financial hit. The two attributed the poor response to the game due in part to the lack of a mainstream soundtrack and that the gameplay was difficult to connect to if one was not playing the game. After Amplitude, Harmonix was approached by Konami to create the Karaoke Revolution franchise. Konami, known for its Bamani line of music games, wanted to distribute their games in the US, and Harmonix was the only music game developer in the country at the time. Konami was responsible for publishing the Karaoke Revolution titles, of which Harmonix developed and released three volumes between 2003 and 2004. The series was much more successful due to its mainstream music and its marketability. Also in 2004, Sony Computer Entertainment released the Harmonix Project iToy Antigrav, a departure from music games. The title used the PlayStation 2 iToy camera peripheral to enable one's body to perform as a controller for a futuristic extreme sports game. However, the game was poorly received by critics, despite selling four times as many copies as Frequency or Amplitude. These results left Rigopoulos and Igazi depressed about the prospects for music games. At this time, Red Octane, a peripheral manufacturing company who had enjoyed Harmonix's previous games, approached Harmonix about developing the software for a game that would be based on a guitar-shaped controller, inspired by Guitar Freaks, which was popular in Japan. This relationship led to the creation of Guitar Hero, published by Red Octane in 2005. The game features similar gameplay elements to frequency and amplitude, and Guitar Hero uses a guitar-shaped controller designed uniquely for the game. Specifically, the Guitar Hero controller was designed with five color-coded fret buttons and a strum bar. Guitar Hero became largely successful, both critically and commercially, resulting in the well-received 2006 sequel Guitar Hero 2, also developed by Harmonix. In the early part of 2006, Activision acquired Red Octane, and several publishers became interested in acquiring Harmonix. In September 2006, MTV Networks, a division of media conglomerate Viacom, announced that it was acquiring Harmonix on behalf of MTV Networks for $175 million. Harmonix's last Guitar Hero game for Red Octane, 
Guitar Hero Encore Rocks the 80s was released in July 2007, thus fulfilling their contractual obligations with the publisher. Before they left the series, Harmonix had already envisioned expanding the gameplay of Guitar Hero to multiple instruments, a concept that would eventually lead to Rock Band that would develop under MTV. So yeah, I mean, we, we get the, the idea of it, and we've probably seen both those names. If you play Guitar Hero, you know of it. You know, at one point, there's a split, kind of having two rival games go at each other. Um, not for nothing, not out of bad blood, just out of purchasing powers of two different parties, kind of getting their own things rolling and creating this new idea while, you know, Activision and Red Octane continued uh, what they had going with Guitar Hero. Well, and, and so, two, two different visions, right? Where Guitar mm-hmm. Hero is, is really specifically about guitar heroes and sort of not necessarily being a guitar hero yourself, but sort of emulating those famous guitarists, whereas Rock Band was a lot more about the experience that Guitar Hero kind of touched on, where it's you're touring with a band and you're slowly mm-hmm. getting to these bigger venues and you're playing other people's music, sure, but you can experience all these different parts of a band instead of just the guitar. Yeah. And I think that's it. And and I want to dive into that a bit because development for the game and for the instruments started around February 2006, working with industrial designers Jay Hayes and contract manufacturer Canyon Creations for prototyping instruments. One of the first needs for developing Rock Band was new hardware, specifically for the drums, since they already had experience with guitar controllers from Guitar Hero. Working in tandem between software and hardware development, Harmonix spent time working on a drum controller prototype and how its track would be shown on screen. One difficulty faced was the drum bass pedals visualized on screen. The four drum pads generally matched in visual space as the on-screen note track, but using a standard note gem, kind of the little like guys you got to hit on your frets when you're on your guitar, it just made no sense for the bass pedals. And so it threw the testers off trying to like basically hit like almost like an orange note as a bass pedal, kind of getting confused with them hands to feet coordinations. They eventually came to the solution of using a bar that spanned the note track for the bass pedal, which worked well. Once the drum prototypes were done, they started working on the guitar controllers. Preliminary hardware pieces were completed by April 2007, leading to mass production in China for release. Harmonix noted that they had not started their discussions with their Chinese manufacturers early enough as they needed to push a team to be in China during the principal production months from June to September 2007 to make sure initial production was completed and in transit to meet release. Gameplay was designed to be focused around the feeling of being in a band. Initial play tests showed that there was a lack of cohesion if each member of the band just played their parts. Harmonix created its Harmonics Design Cabal, from senior designers and veteran of the studio to play around with the gameplay and UI to help identify means that would encourage a more unified band. This cabal led to the introduction of saving failing teammates, unison bonuses, bass grooves, guitar and drum solos, and big rock endings in the final game. For networking, they opted to use the Quasal Networking Scheme rather than the platform's current networking offers, which allowed them flexibility in Rock Band and future games. Large-scale testing and debugging for their network and server capabilities was done by renting time on a supercomputer to simulate 100,000 simultaneous connections. 
In visual style, harmonics used the keyword authenticity, which drove the appearance of the costumes based on various music genres, the in-game instruments, and the animations used during a song to simulate a music video. In selecting the soundtrack for Rockman, the developers recognized that they needed to select songs that were recognizable, particularly on vocals. In contrast, when they were selecting songs for Guitar Hero, they were able to pick songs that played better even if they were less recognizable. They also considered songs that would help players come together socially, such as in The Who's Won't Get Fooled Again, where they retained the long synthesizer solos such that the band members would all start playing again after it for a big finish. The team were able to introduce songs from smaller artists that they felt were good additions, such as Maps by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Electric Version by the New Pornographers to also introduce players to those styles of music. For about half the songs, they hired a studio to sing along to the lyrics as a crowd would at a stadium, such that during the game, when players are performing well, the additional crowd sing-alongs would add to the performance experience. That was such a cool part of rock bands when you really did start vibing with everything. And, you know, having played in real bands myself, like, the experience is honestly great. It really is. Like, getting that feeling from rock bands, um, being able to just sort of fall in where you feel like you know the difference, like you're in your living room, but it is a very, very good simulation. Sure. Um, I know that you and I uh, rocked some maps quite a bit, so we probably oh, experienced yeah. that with uh, some yeah, yeah, yes. Listen, when I'm, when I'm jamming the mic to some yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> listen, wait, they don't love me like they love you. You yeah. know? You know? Maps, <laughs> maps, yes. I was there for it. Yes. That, that was very specifically a you song, if I remember 100%. right. hundred percent. I like, do that song. Oh, Alex's turn to pick band. the song. Oh, I guess we're playing Maps again. <laughs> Listen, it's the one song I can match the pitch really well. And I could like five star it. That's what oh, we're doing. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Current Harmonics parent company, MTV, provided financial support to the development process, taking advantage of its stature to facilitate deals with record companies for licensing rights to songs. Several record companies pledged their support by offering master recordings. Pressed for office space, Harmonix was forced to move its offices in the middle of Rock Band's beta period in order to support the company's 130-person staff. However, they continued to bring on more developers in order to complete the title on time. This led to several problems in bringing the newer coders on board without any technical plan, requiring the team to redesign several parts of the game, such as online matchmaking, several times to correct. Although the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 versions of the game were developed in-house, Harmonix outsourced development of the PS2 version to Pi Studios, as it omits certain features. Harmonix faced difficulty in making the Xbox 360 guitar wireless, as developers are charged a licensing fee to use Microsoft's wireless technology. Had Harmonix chosen to pay the fee, the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 bundles of Rock Band would have sold at different price points. Instead, Harmonix chose a wired technology for the 360's bundled guitar. In the certification process for both Xbox and PlayStation platforms, Harmonix encountered difficulty in how to assign service profiles to different instruments. While they ended up with a profile management system that met the certification requirements, the solution was just functional and awkward to use. 
Around 160 developers had been involved in Rock Band, though Harmonix noted that they needed really to hire more in the end. They found the various department leads overwhelmed with tasks, despite being those that also offered the most creative input on the game's design. Harmonix also found during development that they jumped headfirst into some technical approaches, which initially seemed to work, but failed on large-scale tests. The online functionality went through several, several such iterations. And Rock Band was first announced on April 1st, 2007, a silly time to say a game's coming out. <laughs> yeah, th- there needs to be a blanket rule. Do not announce real things on April 1st. This is not the first time we've encountered just something like this, even on this podcast. Like people mm-hmm. just, they are not aware of the foolishness. No, it's especially for a previous dev of Guitar Hero saying on April 1st, oh, a whole rock band game is coming out. Yeah. Got the skeptical stare at people's like, is it though? Then again, who knows? Maybe there's some kind of data behind the scenes that says you're more likely to get traffic driven. And, you know, then the next day they could say, oh, no, this is real. And maybe it generates even more uh, clicks. I have no idea. Hey, who knows? It worked, though, because Harmonic CEO Alex Rigopoulos said in the announcement that Rock Band, quote, takes the core premise of Guitar Hero and expands it tenfold. It lets you create a complete collaborative band. Rock Band was a featured game at the 2007 E3 convention and provided one of the exhibition's highlights. Harmonix employees and Microsoft executive Peter Moore played the game on stage, performing the Hive's main offender. Moore paused the game twice when he accidentally hit the guitar's Xbox guide button. Man, bro. Been you there. can't trust it. You can't trust exact. You got to cover that stuff up. You got to make sure <laughs> this goes off without a hitch. You That's can't have true. some guy bumbling around. You know, in like real performances, sometimes guitarists will put duct tape on certain parts of their instruments so that they don't accidentally turn knobs. You got to do that for this. You got real See? musicians involved. Do it. You got to do it. And finally, a software update was released on March 21st, 2008, which added new features to the game. And the update included an in-game music store with preview and sorting options, revised microphone performance, and faster downloadable content loading. So previously, you'd have, like, I played on Xbox, you'd have to go to the Xbox Live store to buy the songs. And then finally, they added just an in-game one that would kind of bridge that gap. So you could just stay in the game to buy the songs instead of leaving it to go buy them, buy your pack, and then come back. Yeah, it was a very convoluted process, and they were always selling them in packages. You had to buy these three songs or something like that. Mm -hmm. Guitar Hero ended up doing something really similar in Guitar Hero 3. When they added the Rock Band store, finally, and you could buy individual songs, you still had a little bit of a convoluted process where you had to, I think, buy it with the Xbox currency. Eventually, they even did away with that, where it was just that direct bank to Rock Band store purchase made everything a lot easier. Yeah, and then you see, because I think it was like the packs themselves are usually about like eight bucks to ten dollars based mm-hmm. on like Microsoft currency, and then it dropped down. To, I think it was like sometimes they go on sale, but it's like one to two dollars a song, very much like what iTunes was having at the time, um, like dollar songs. It would, it kind of went in that same vein of purchasing songs and having that kind of dollar transaction. Yeah. And it definitely made sense for them to do it that way. There was a familiarity there. Um, And yeah, you were getting 
a, like a master recording of these tracks for the most part. They had done away with that old Guitar Hero style of as performed by this band, yes. you know, and you were actually getting versions of the song. So in that sense, it was very similar to buying things from iTunes. On October 25th, 2007, Harmonix and MTV announced RockBand.com would be transformed into an extensive community website at the game's launch, and that it would extend the features of the game. The community website was absent at the game's launch in order to fix bugs and complete features, but was launched on December 19th, 2007. The site offered leaderboards, customizable band profile pages with stats, a classified area for bands to find additional members, band blogs, online forums, and other sharing features. Many originally announced features, such as the ability for players to pose their avatars, take photo shoots and order t-shirts, bumper stickers, and figurines, were eventually made available on the website for Rock Band 2. It's such a cool marketing idea to have that, to have this very, like, quote-unquote, underground thing to, like, find bandmates, share your profile, like, have a band blog. I mean, it created this really cool ecosystem that I was never really a part of. I definitely logged on to look at it and see some stuff on there, see stats and whatnot. But I think it's cool just to build this kind of gaming community in this mock way as you would like local bands. Yeah, exactly. And there was that full immersion, I think, at that point where it's, it is kind of a joke, but at the same time, it's not because these songs were difficult to play. And sure, Mm -hmm. like, Playing a guitar part on rock band was not the same as playing a guitar part on a real guitar. Drumming-wise, still, you know, not not exactly the same as playing drums, but they were close enough to where when you were really, like, playing on expert and feeling like you were a part of the band, like, it really felt that way. So having these extensions, I think, was a great idea, a really cool um, part for community building. Oh, absolutely. MTV and Harmonix promoted Rock Band heavily in the months leading up to the game's release. The game made a nationwide promotional tour of the United States. Several tour buses made stops at major American cities to set up demo stations and showcase playable versions of the game for fans. Many of the locations included college campuses. Additionally, fan-created bands were able to audition on stage by playing the game. Their performances were recorded and sent to MTV casting directors, who selected two bands to appear on TRL Total Request Live, that's a throwback, in a (laughs) battle of the bands. The promotional tour commenced with a featured showcase at the MTV Video Music Awards in Las Vegas on September 9th, 2007. MTV invested in additional promotions that totaled about $30 million. The game was set up within the homes of the real-world participants, allowing for on-air visibility. VH1 also produced a brief spoof documentary in the style of Behind the Music titled Rock Band Cometh, the Rock Band Band Story, documenting a fictional band that plays the game. The game appeared in demo kiosks at Best Buy, Walmart, and Sam's Club stores. The demo contained 15 songs and supported gameplay for all four instruments, although in-store setups varied. The demo's drum set lacked a bass pedal, with the game automatically playing bass drum notes. Other companies helped promote Rock Band through free and reduced-cost downloadable content. Best Buy offered two free DLC tracks by the band Disturbed for customers that pre-ordered their 
indestructible album online. These tracks were made available to all users in June 2008 for $1 or 80 Microsoft points. McDonald's sponsored a month-long program that reduced the cost of two selected DLC tracks to a dollar for each week during the month of May 2008 as part of their dollar menu promotion. And the United Kingdom release of the game took place in London, where a number of bands, including The Automatic, The Whip, and The Cordineers, performed short sets. So yeah, some really cool promotional ideas. I think that there were some limitations with how you're able to promote it in that traditional demo sense. Mm-hmm. We don't see demos in stores the same way anymore now. I know that like Switch still has one, but you know, those days of looking up, you know, 15 feet above you and standing there trying <laughs> to play 5 minutes of Ocarina of Time pretty much gone by this point. Yep. Having those little dedicated areas, I mean, you worked at Best Buy around this time. Uh, maybe a little bit after the rock band era, but I, I'm sure you remember these. It was basically like a little lounge area that they had set up in like a Best Buy store where, yeah, you could sit there and play drums or you would stand there. And, you know, it was almost like a home theater station slash uh, video game demo. Yeah, because I jumped over to Best Buy in 2008, I think. So roughly around that time, but I mean, we had plenty of like crazy different demo setups for games. The years like progressed, ended up getting like a lounge area with like a couch for like when the PS4 dropped and like you could demo games there, like a big old TV and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, the demo stuff, like it was still available in these kind of more grandiose schemes and it was really cool to see how they set up and put together. Yeah. And I know that, so I worked at GameStop about the same time. Uh, Guitar Hero 3 came out, I think a month before Rock Band did. And we did like a midnight release for Guitar Hero 3 where a bunch of people came in and we had like a little mini contest to see who could play one of the five demo songs the best and get the highest score. And we had like little giveaways and stuff. I mean, that stuff, you know, spreading that interactivity, you're having this thing go a little bit beyond just like traditional demo, I think, for like a fun little Mm -hmm. mini party slash promotion, which I thought was really, really cool. It's so cool. But beyond that, let's talk about the gameplay. Um, Obviously, we know a little bit about this. We're familiar with uh, the Guitar Hero style. And Rock Band reused many gameplay elements from that series. The players use peripherals modeled after musical instruments to simulate the performance of rock music. And players use these instruments by playing scrolling musical notes on screen in time with the music similar to Guitar Hero. Rock Band expands upon the Guitar Hero series in that it offers gameplay for drums and vocals in addition to lead and bass guitar. Rock Band's gameplay and on-screen interface uses a combination of elements from Guitar Hero and Karaoke Revolution. Rock Band has up to three tracks of vertically scrolling colored music notes, one section each for lead guitar, drums, and bass. The colored notes on screen correspond to buttons on the guitar and drum peripherals. For lead and bass guitar, players play their notes by holding down colored fret buttons on the guitar peripheral and pushing the controller's strum bar. For drums, players must strike the matching colored drum head or step on the pedal to simulate playing bass drum notes. Along the top of the screen is the vocals display, which scrolls horizontally, similar to Karaoke Revolution. The lyrics display beneath green bars 
which represent the pitch of the individual vocal elements. When singing vocals, the player must sing in relative pitch to the original vocals. And so that means the octave in which you were singing wasn't necessarily important. It was just about hitting the pitch and whatever your register was. So if you're Mm -hmm. a, a, a man singing a female vocal, it doesn't punish you for that. A pitch indicator displays the singer's accuracy relative to that original pitch, and the remainder of the screen is used to display the band's virtual characters as they perform in concert. During cooperative play as a band, all players earn points towards a common score. Those score multipliers and overdrive are tracked separately for each player. Overdrive is collected during select portions of a song by successfully playing all white notes within that section, or by using the guitar's whammy bar during white sustained notes. Once the energy meter is filled halfway, players can deploy their overdrive, resulting in the band meter, which tracks how well each player is doing, changing more dramatically. This allows players to strategically use Overdrive to raise the band meter and pass portions of a song they otherwise might have failed. Overdrive can be used to activate score multipliers, which vary based on a player's note streak. So it basically doubles them. If you're at a 1, it's a 2. If you're at a 2, it's a 4. 3, it's a 6. 4, it's an 8. Players can deploy Overdrive independently of each other, as well as collect additional Overdrive while it is deployed and draining. Each band member can choose the difficulty at which they play, spanning easy, medium, hard, and expert. If a player does not play well enough and falls to the bottom of the band meter, they will fail out of the song and their instrument will be muted from the audio mix. However, any active player can activate their overdrive to bring failed players back into the song, saving the band member. However, a band member can only be saved twice. After the third failure, they cannot be brought back for that song. Failed players continuously drag the band's band meter down until they are saved. If the player is not saved before the band meter reaches the bottom, the band fails the song. Players can earn overdrive bonuses from unison phrases and extra points from a big rock ending. And what was fun about that is it offers a strategic element to this game as well. It's not just like a karaoke game. It's okay, this solo is coming up. I'm not, I could play every other part of this on expert except for this solo. I'm going to fail out of the solo. Don't bring me back until the end so mm-hmm. that we, we can pass the song. You know, there's those elements. There's also making sure that, okay, so now after that aspect has gone by, you've missed out on all those points. Let's all do the overdrive power. It's the star power basically from Guitar Hero. Let's do that together. So we can make up those lost points because then like what you were saying earlier, where it goes from that one times that two times up to the eight times now, you know, those things stack on top of each other. So you can get a lot of points made up if you all decide to use your overdrive at the same time. And if you've saved it up. Yeah. So it it definitely like strategy ended up being a huge thing for those really hard songs. Like you said with solos or just like if the drums just going crazy, it's like, dude, my feet, my hands cannot handle this right now. Just let me, let me rest a bit. And that was yeah. also like a nice thing to have. Well, there was that physical element to this game as well. Similar to if you played DDR at home or at the arcade or wherever you played it, you know, <laughs> you did start to get wore down uh, if you were the drummer of the band. It's like, all right, let me, let me take a break here. You know, the kick pedal is really getting to me in this song or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. you, you could work up a real sweat playing this game. Yeah, it's great. So on that note, the band World Tour 
is the game's primary multiplayer mode, and it allows any combination of two to four local players to create a virtual band, play gigs, and tour a virtual representation of the world. Although online play is not supported for band world tour, players can use the band quick play mode to play together as a band online. For the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions of the game, Band World Tour mode lets bands play in 41 different venues spanning 17 cities, including Los Angeles, Seattle, Boston, New York, London, Sydney, Stockholm, and Rome. After creating their band, characters, and logo, the players can begin playing concerts in small venues in their hometown until they unlock vans, tour buses, and private jets, which unlock other cities and continents. Successful performances also earn the band fans, stars, and in-game cash. Most cities and larger venues require the band to achieve a certain number of fans and stars before they are unlocked. In-game venues are inspired by real-life venues and often display local art styles from each of the represented cities. For the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions, rather than complete predetermined lists of songs like in previous Guitar Hero games, players complete unique sets of activities at each venue. Performances consist of single songs, multiple song sets, make-your-own set lists, and mystery set lists. Players are also faced with decisions that Harmonix refers to as risk versus reward. For certain performances, bands are faced with an optional challenge that requires the band to average a certain number of stars for their gig in order to reap the rewards. Bands can also choose to perform a benefit concert, which means earning no in-game money but gaining more fans, or you could sell out, which means earning more money in-game but losing fans. Additionally, for certain gigs, bands can compete for band personnel, as well as a recording deal with a record label. The Endless Setlist provides players with all-day concert experience, as the setlist requires playing the entire game disc setlist from start to finish. I never did that. Did you end up doing <laughs> that? Um, I want to say I probably started it once or twice, and yeah. you play through like 10, you're like, got this. 20, you're like, I don't got this. This is miserable. And trying to like make it through everything. And also just like not only making it through the songs a time thing, but the difficulty and just the stamina right. of just kind of running through this thing for a full day, basically. Hours right. of doing this. Because you figure hours of not only just the song content itself, the game loading, loading in the screen, loading in your characters, kind of getting set up for the song. It's, it's a lot added to it. In addition to the Band World Tour mode, we also had Solo Tour, which is a single-player mode offered for the lead guitar, drum, and microphone peripherals, but there's no support for bass, because we all know bassists don't exist. Sorry, really <laughs> quick, I wanted to see how long the Endless set list is. Yes. And it takes about seven and a half hours of gameplay time. So a full working man's day <laughs> yes. to go ahead and listen. If any of you do this, that's cool. Uh, I won't give you anything for it, but I think that's very neat. And um, I'm sure it know? was an achievement. I'm sure it was like a trophy or an achievement oh, or something. Be. Someone's got to be out there. And I know that people took breaks and they would play it for a little bit and then take a break and leave their system on. Obviously, sure. there's always that risk of the system overheating and freezing, or there's that risk of maybe you get so far into the playlist and you cannot beat a certain song on the difficulty you've selected mm -hmm. and then you're just kind of stuck. 
you know, yeah. such a risk committing to that. But hey, to the people that were able to complete that, good for you, man. I hope that that More trophy is still loud and proud in your your game <laughs> profile. Just displaying it everywhere. <laughs> Well, you know, if you had friends. But if you didn't have friends, obviously it's solo tour. And, and, and rather than feature the open-ended gameplay and features of the next generation versions of Band World Tour mode, solo tour is structured much in the same vein as the career mode in Guitar Hero games. Players choose or create their character. On the 360 and PS3 versions only, you can customize, but on the PS2 and Wii, you just kind of got assigned one. And you get to complete predetermined sets of songs ordered by difficulty with each instrument's set list ordered differently. So based on like drums might be pretty easy in a super guitar heavy song or vice versa. By completing these sets of songs, additional songs are unlocked for play across all game modes. For the PS3 and 360 versions, players can use money earned for each performance to purchase merchandise at the rock shop. The character's cash carries over into band world tour mode and vice versa. We also had a couple other modes. Players can quickly play any song on any instrument individually in solo quick play. For a competitive experience, players can individually compete against each other for each instrument type in the tug of war, much like Guitar Hero's Face Off, in which players trade playing sections of a song to move a meter in their favor. In Score Duel, and much like Guitar Hero 2's Pro Face Off, in which each player plays a song in its entirety on the same difficulty level to earn points. These head-to-head modes are available both online and locally. Band Quick Play mode allows bands to quickly play any song. The 360 and PS3 versions allow any combination of two to four local or online players to play as a band, while the PS2 and Wii versions only support two to four local players. Also included in Rock Band are Tutorial mode, which obviously allows the player to learn each instrument, and Practice mode which allows you to practice a song and you cannot fail. So if you need to try and play through parts of it, it'll allow that meter to kind of go down as you continue to try and try again to get those guitar solos mastered. You know, on the topic of achievements and trophies, I remember there being one for completing the tutorial mode. And in one of these games, I don't know that it was necessarily Rock Band. It may have been Guitar Hero. Just going through Mm -hmm. that whole thing. Such a drag. I'm so glad that they've done away with a lot of things like that because this is... I mean, it's sort of like if you were given an achievement for completing the tutorials in a Pokemon game. Like, once you've done it the once, you know how it works and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Good for new players, sure. But man, once you're familiar with some of the terminology, those tutorial modes were brutal. It's a slog. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
So all versions of Rock Band feature the same core 58 playable tracks on the game disc. 45 of these are featured tracks in the main set list, while the other 13 tracks are bonus songs by independent or lesser known bands, as well as bands made up of Harmonics employees. In total, 51 of the 58 songs are master recordings. The Wii version of the game features five additional songs. Featured tracks include Danny California by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult, Enter Sandman by Metallica, Here It Goes Again by OK Go, Highway Star by Deep Purple, Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters, Suffragette City by Bowie, Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi, Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who, and all but three songs on the Rock Band disc can be transferred to the user's hard drive on the Xbox 360 or PS3 to be used for Rock Band 2. Furthermore, an extra two songs from Rock Band cannot be carried over into Rock Band 3. Harmonix co-founder Alex Rigopoulos commented that the game's soundtrack would be covering a great breadth, from metal to classic rock to southern rock to everything in between. Five record labels agreed to supply most of the master recordings by their artists for use in the game, including EMI Music, Hollywood Records, Sony BMG Music Entertainment, Universal Music Group's Universal Music Enterprises, and Warner Music Group's Rhino Entertainment. The PlayStation 3 and 360 versions of the game support DLC songs. Users can download songs on a track-by-track basis, with many of the tracks digitally bundled together in song packs or complete albums at a discounted rate. Harmonix likened the Rock Band game to a new platform for future music releases, and the company built the library of downloadable content up to hundreds of songs within the first year of the game's release by releasing new content on a weekly basis. 15 songs were made available at the game's launch date, and to date, over 1,480 DLC songs are available and over 100 million song purchases have been made by players. DLC songs are playable within every game mode, including the Band World Tour career mode. All downloadable songs released before Rock Band 3 came out are cross-compatible between Rock Band and Rock Band 2. Downloadable albums have been a major selling point for the game, with nine albums having been released to date. Currently, most song packs containing three songs are priced at $5.49 or 440 Microsoft points, while most individual songs are available for the standard price of $1.99 or 160 Microsoft points. And occasionally, like we said, you get those limited deals for the dollar ones, different packs, or even just different sales would occur. And the prices for albums differ depending on the number of songs. So obviously, if you're getting a three-song quote-unquote album or a 10 or a 15 or whatever, it obviously adds those, those totals up. As both the PlayStation 2 and Wii version lack DLC, Harmonix released a series of track-packed standalone games that are sold in retail stores. Each volume contains several of the tracks available as downloadable content for the 360 and PS3. Track Pack Volume 2 saw an expanded release on the 360 and PS3 as well, and one track pack exclusively featuring the songs of ACDC's 1991 Live at Donington concert was released in November 2008. So there was a special edition bundle, and it included the game software as well as guitar, drum, and microphone peripherals. The PlayStation 2, 3, and Wii bundles include a wireless guitar, whereas the Xbox 360 bundle contained a wired guitar, but a separate wireless guitar was made available for the Xbox 360. 
Initially, a USB hub was only included in the 360 Wii and PS2 bundles in order to increase the number of available USB ports on the console. Later, the PlayStation 3 bundles also included a USB hub with a sticker on the box indicating so. MTV originally announced Rock Band would be released for the Xbox 360 and PS3 on November 23, 2007, which was Black Friday, one of the busiest shopping days in the United States. However, the release date was eventually moved to November 20, 2007. I definitely remember that being a massive, massive issue. Yes. And this was still the era where online shopping really wasn't a thing. Or if it was very small, shipping was high. And so it really boiled down to making your way on Black Friday, fighting and punching people to getting (laughs) these things that are only available in those select stores for it. So obviously makes sense to kind of release that a couple days before so that people aren't clamoring to go out and try and find these things. And you can guarantee sales a couple days before, plus on the day of. Well, and realistically, by Black Friday, most of the rock band stuff had been sold out. So, Oh, yeah. You know, people, it, it was going to not necessarily be an issue on Black Friday anymore, which I think is better for the retail employees at the time, because that really was a big problem. People getting aggressive and you know, Mm -hmm. things like that, fighting over items, dumb stuff. Yep. The game software was made available for purchase individually at the game's launch, which allowed players uh, with a USB microphone or a compatible guitar controller to take advantage of the vocals, lead guitar, and bass guitar gameplay. Individual Rock Band branded instruments became available in retail stores later, starting with a drum kit on February 12th in 2008, and an individual wireless guitar became available on April 8th, 2008. So yeah, originally, if you wanted that full Rock Band experience, you had to get the, quote, special edition bundle. That was really the Mm -hmm. only way to have the drum aspect of it. But if you were a Guitar Hero player before, you could just take that guitar, plug it in, you know, and then that USB hub was great too. I know that people were really struggling to find those for a long time. That was such an important piece. If that broke, you know, having to contact them specifically to get another hub was a, a big ordeal. So there were a little bit, uh, there were some issues, I think, with the launch of this game. But once all the hype kind of died down and people were able to get the first iteration of instruments, obviously led to the success. And then on top of that, once Rock Band 2 came out and Rock Band 3 They were able to improve on all those instruments as well to make them higher quality, more responsive, and a little bit sturdier. Yes, and speaking on that, upon release, many players reported hardware issues with Rock Band peripherals. Many complaints stem from the bass pedal snapping in two, the Stratocaster controller's strum bar being unresponsive, and it occasionally lagging when tilted to activate overdrive. In response to these issues, Harmonix admitted the guitars bundled with initial shipment of the game bundles were subject to manufacturing issues and stated that they would replace all faulty peripherals. Players affected by faulty peripherals were able to take advantage of the 60-day warranty on those peripherals and obtain replacements from EA. However, a class action lawsuit was issued against Harmonix, MTV Games, Viacom, and EA over the failures of the bass drum pedal, claiming the companies conspired to force consumers to pay for repairs or to upgrade to the Rock Band 2 drum kit. 
Attempts were made to settle the lawsuit in 2008, but were unsuccessful. In September 2009, the original plaintiff dropped the lawsuit. And yeah, if you've never played with those original instruments, the issue with the bass drum pedal was that it was entirely plastic. Mm -hmm. And most real drum pedals are made of metal. And so the pressure that you were putting on the foot pedal, um, you had to be very gentle with it. Otherwise, it was just flexing this plastic back and forth, and it would eventually break. Um, I definitely broke the original one. And when I asked for a refund on it, they sent me the Rock Band 2 version that had the metal plate on it. And then the Stratocaster's strum bar, um, the Guitar Hero guitars had a click mechanism in the strum bars the rock band guitar controller did not have this they said it was to not distract you from the music if i remember originally Mm -hmm. Um, but it meant basically like sometimes the mechanism was weak and where you would recognize that immediately in a guitar hero controller because the click wouldn't be there um, on the rock band controllers, you might not know that because it was never clicking to begin with. And so yeah. sometimes it would recognize your inputs and sometimes it wouldn't. Yeah, it, it was just a very frustrating thing to kind of get this rolling out. And I know like I preferred the Guitar Hero 2 controller uh, over a lot of the rock band stuff for, the, for guitar specifically. But other players discovered at the game's launch that the Gibson Les Paul guitar controller bundled with the PS3 version of Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock was initially not compatible with the PS3 version of Rock Band, despite Harmonix stating that any controllers that followed the open controller standard would work. While this incompatibility could have been resolved through technical solutions, both Harmonix and Activision cited the other party as being at fault for failing to correct the incompatibility. Harmonix developed a patch to fix the issue, but it was blocked by Activision. Activision stated that MTV Games was unwilling to reach an agreement to pay Activision to use the Guitar Hero 3 technology in Rock Band. This incompatibility also applies to the Wii's Les Paul peripheral. However, a patch for the PS3 version of Rock Band was eventually released on September 11th, 2008, allowing the Guitar Hero 3 Les Paul controller to work. Nyko released a PS3 version of their frontman guitar controller that is compatible with both Guitar Hero 3 and rock band. I do remember that being a big deal and a problem, people mm-hmm. being really disappointed with that. I didn't experience it myself because I had the 360 versions. But yeah, I mean, just with the length of time, these games basically came out at the same time. So there wasn't really necessarily a lot of time to make sure that that stuff was compatible. Glad it eventually got resolved, but... Yeah, and it's just frustrating. I mean, it's Activision being like, money, please. Yeah. so like guitar hero rock band has influenced music culture alex rigopoulos and aaron agazi the founders of harmonics were named together in time magazine's list of the 100 most influential people of 2008 for their creation of rock band in the article guitarist steven van zant claims in the history of rock and roll rock band may just turn out to be up there with the rise of fm radio cds or mtv both were awarded the 2009 Game Developers Choice Pioneer Award for their influence on music video games, culminating with Rock Band, and the 2010's USA Network's Character Approved Award for New Media in 2010 for the impact that their vision and leadership for Rock Band has had on the social nature of the game. A reality television show, Rock Band 2 The Stars, was created by VH1, 
featuring several players performing and being eliminated by judges Alice Cooper and Sebastian Bach. The Pennsylvania-based band The Jelly Bricks released a viral video of their song Ruin Us, which is overplayed on footage from Rock Band 2 using avatars resembling the band members. Rock Band appeared briefly in the Whale Whores episode of the South Park animated TV series, where Cartman, along with Kyle and Kenny, sang to Lady Gaga's Poker Face. About five months after the airing, Harmonix announced Poker Face with vocals by Cartman would be available as downloadable content for the game, along with other Lady Gaga songs featuring her vocals. An episode of the sitcom The Office, called The Chump, alluded to rock band Billy Joel, to which Entertainment Weekly's Darren Franich commented that Let's Hope never actually exists ever. Billy Joel, on reading this review, contacted his agents and authorized his songs to be used within the game as a means to snub Franich. The Los Angeles Times suggests that rock band, particularly the Beatles rock band, has influenced many of the contestants in the preliminaries for the ninth season of American Idol to use songs that have appeared in these games for their auditions. I, I just think it's fantastic like in the real world where it's like, please don't let it happen. And Billy Joel's like, okay, we're making this happen. Like, I, I, <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I will win this. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Obviously, in Rock Band 3, they introduced the keyboard elements, but... Yeah. In the earlier iterations of Rock Band and Guitar Hero, any keyboard, piano was all played on the guitar controller. Yeah, kind of mimicked in that way. The, the best you could, trying to somewhat get the idea of where you'd be on the guitar to kind of get this going with it. Um, it worked in terms of just like being able to rhythm with it. But yeah, when the keyboard came out and the later iterations definitely added more to it. In terms of sales, Rock Band trailed the Guitar Hero series, selling only 4 million units in 2007, compared to Guitar Hero's 11.8. In 2008, Rock Band was the third highest brand, trailing Guitar Hero and the Mario series, with $662 million in total sales for the year. It's wild that the top three selling brands in 2008 was music, Mario, and music. So it, it really shows you like how culturally impactful this was at the time. Right. I mean, this is like Super Mario Galaxy era, right? Yes, so yeah. some really iconic Mario games coming out. I think it was also around the time of uh, maybe the 25th anniversary. Uh, maybe not quite it, that it far. Have, it, it would have been within a couple of those years. If it wasn't 08, it was because I worked at Best Buy at the time and it was sold there. So like it had to be within 08 to 10. But over 5.3 million copies of the game were sold in 2008, with 3.8 million of those in instrument bundled packages. Wedbush Securities gaming analyst Michael Patchner believed that both game series would sell another 3 million units each by early 2009. Regardless, Rock Band did not generate profits for Viacom due to the cost of developing and selling the instrument peripherals. As a result, Viacom, MTV Games, and Harmonix shifted the Rock Band series into one that focused on selling songs through additional software discs and DLC, letting others, such as Activision, handle the creation of the game controllers. Sales of DLC songs have been in favor of hard rock bands. Motley Crue's single, Saints of Los Angeles, debuted as a rock band track at the same time as the release of the album of the same name and it saw 48,000 Rock Band downloads and 14,000 iTunes downloads during its first week of release. The popularity of some tracks have also led to groups considering releasing more material for the game. 
Rush's alternate version of Working Man, released only for Rock Band, was met with so much praise from players of Rock Band that the group released the song for download through iTunes, as well as considered making full albums available, which they then in turn did when they released their album Moving Pictures in full on the platform soon after. Guns N' Roses had delayed their long-awaited album Chinese Democracy. Mm, Long-awaited is a loose term for that. I don't think anyone wanted that album. Uh, that, uh, well, they delayed it so often, many doubted that it would ever be released. However, the Rock Band 2 debut of the song, Shackler's Revenge, was thought to be the precursor to the release of Chinese Democracy. The album was indeed released in November 2008, and was later made available as a DLC album for the Rock Band games. So you know, Chinese Democracy sold more than 2.25 million copies worldwide. No, it, it did sell. It was a terrible <laughs> album. <laughs> Rock Band and Guitar Hero have been stated to provide significant benefits for music labels and artists through exposure of their songs to new, younger audiences. However, not all record labels believe there are benefits. Edgar Bronfman Jr., chairman and chief executive for Warner Music Group, stated that the amount being paid to the industry, even though their games are entirely dependent on the content that we own and control, is far too small. While industry rumors stated that MTV Games was boycotting artists under the Warner Music label over the music company's stance on licensing, the issue has been stated by both MTV Games and Warner Music Group to be a present dispute over increased costs of licensed music as the two companies seek a new deal. Since then, MTV Games and Warner Music Group have entered into licensing agreements allowing music from the label, such as the band Green Day, to be used within the game. And I think that this is a big reason why these games started to die down a little bit more. Everyone was really yeah. excited about this technology. Um, they were kind of on board into getting their music into the game. But we've talked about this just with other episodes where music soundtracks just really aren't what they were um, for mm -hmm. a long time because getting the licenses for the use of these songs in-game it's so expensive and it's so unnecessary, you know, when you can just create maybe your own tracks, you can have someone hired out to create a soundtrack for a game, get this really nice original score, or you can feature lesser known bands at a lower cost that still, you know, give a little background noise. And that's really all that a lot of games are trying to get out there nowadays. Yeah. And, and going back a little bit to talk about the benefits the best way to think of this is for us in this exposure, it's kids who watch Stranger Things or have some songs on TikTok that are these older songs that this mm -hmm. may be the first time that they're hearing them. And that was very much for a lot of us. Like, like would I have ever heard Maps? Really? If I didn't play Rock Band, would I have heard some of these other songs? Even some of these like major known ones, would I have really been exposed to it as much as I had been in Rock Band? if it hadn't been for that. So yeah, it goes back to very much how these shows, which are bringing back the 80s now, or even the 90s, are using this music from then and, and getting a lot of kids exposed to it, where otherwise they might not have if, you know, maybe their parents or a relative hadn't shown it to them. Sure. You know, it's, it's something that you can't fault anyone for, right? You're, you're not going to go and try and find necessarily all the best things from certain eras of music. 
But if it's presented to you in a way that is already something that you're familiar with and it's just a byproduct of that, yeah, you find tons of cool cool old music and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Fleetwood Mac's music has been used in a ton of media now. Obviously, this is a band that's like 50 years old from their prime. And, you know, you still see them in, in modern, like they're in ads now, they're in TV shows now. The chain is like in tons of TV shows and, and movies. And it definitely works to the advantage of artists. I think this is where I sort of disagree with um, the, the CEO of Warner Music Group. Sure. I think that there are other benefits in those regards. It's not necessarily about what do you get directly and immediately, but long term, you're gaining new fans for these bands that, you know, it creates a revitalization basically for their careers and thus more music from new album sales, more music or more money from old album sales, more money from touring. You know, there are these lingering effects, I think. And then not only that, but generating more of an interest in those genres specifically. If you like a band like Fleetwood Mac, maybe you go and listen to other bands from that era. And so there's all these effects that I think come from rock band that are hard to quantify, but are definitely real. Yeah. And, and I think if you, if you don't have those resurgences of music and have this openness of people you know, not having labels kind of harbor all this music away and be able to share it through these new mediums, um, it does. It, it brings more people in than if you were to just, like, hold it behind a paywall at all times. Exactly. Now, despite all of this, there was some lawsuits. We've talked a, a little bit about the class action, but there was also a patent litigation. And on March 21st, 2008, EA, MTV, and Harmonix were sued by the Gibson Guitar Corporation for violation of the 1999 U.S. patent 5,990,405, which Gibson claims covers technology that simulates a concert performance via pre-recorded audio and a musical instrument. This follows similar action that Gibson took against the Guitar Hero series, which was later settled out of court. The Gibson Harmonics case was put on hold shortly after its filing to allow the United States Patent and Trademark Office to open a re-examination of the 405 patent. On subsequent review, the 405 patent was modified to more exactly define the type of musical instrument that the patent covers, as the original language had conflicted with U.S. Patent 5,488-196 due to the change in language Harmonix sought to have the case go forward and requested a summary judgment, believing that the new language of the 405 patent did not include the rock band controllers. And in mid-2010, the case was settled between all parties under non-disclosed terms. That's very interesting to me because Guitar Hero specifically uses Gibson instruments. They yeah. had a, a contract with them, and then rock band used Fender, Obviously, the, the two big guitar companies, Gibson and Fender, mm -hmm. and these two big video game things, for them to have beef with the, the video game company that's using their instrument specifically, I don't know, kind of a little bit of biting the hand that feeds, right? Well, and it's just so frustrating talking just about patents and, and technology in the United States. You know, it's, it's frustrating in the United States to talk about patents like this, where it's like Gibson is just sitting on this patent of like, Virtual concerts, played with instruments, we own that patent. And it's like, are you doing anything with it? 
no, but <laughs> yeah, we registered the patent for it. Well, and if you're involved in the guitar communities at all, Gibson is sort of famous for this, where they mm-hmm. have been suing um, small guitar manufacturers. They've gotten beat in some capacities because it's like they'll sue over a guitar body shape. And it's like, well, after a certain amount of time, these things just sort of enter the sphere of beyond a Gibson-specific thing. You know, it's similar to the Fender Stratocaster, which was the design for the rock band guitars. That guitar body is so popular. It's just Mm -hmm. the generic guitar look. And so it's like, does Fender necessarily have a right to that? Specifically, I think the judge ruled no. And so now it's sort of just become a catch-all for guitar design. Um, Gibson is just very, very litigious about their products, and it extended into the video game realm. And also, on July 10th, 2008, Konami filed a separate lawsuit against Harmonix, Viacom, and MTV, attempting to block the sale of Rock Band over infringement of their patents on a musical rhythm matching game issued in 2002 and 2003, and an MTV spokesperson expressed that the lawsuit was extremely surprising and that they intend to defend themselves against the suit. On December 2, 2008, Viacom issued a countersuit against Konami, claiming that Rock Band significantly improves on Konami's original patent and that their Rock Revolution game uses controllers that are similar to Rock Band. Both suits were settled for undisclosed terms in September of 2010. Yeah, so this goes back with Konami having Guitar Freak that we talked about. Um, Basically, the same type of idea of rhythm game. And to be fair, yes, in a litigious manner, they did improve on that copyright, saying that, no, it's not just guitar-based. It's a full band. It's improved on your idea of a matching rhythm game and is not directly taking the correlation that you have registered. Again, welcome to the litigious portion of this podcast, but basically (laughs) stating that because they've improved on it, like it's rudimentary, like, like the wedge. You can't like, if I copyrighted the wedge and you did something better to improve on this basic tool, sure. I can't claim that you stole the wedge. It's like, no, I improved on this idea of it and made it into a better product or, or, or altered it enough to be different. And that's kind of what they're countersuing for. And this was, if I remember correctly, sort of a problem with the Guitar Hero products originally. Yes. And I believe we Same discussed with, this a yeah. little bit more at length in the Guitar Hero episode, right? Yep, exact same thing with Konami. Just, again, patent, not patent trolling per se, but claiming their stake. Uh, Guitar Hero, obviously, a little bit closer to that patent of Guitar Freak, yeah. but Rock Band being much further outside of it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. I think patent trolling is a, a really good term for it. Gibson, super guilty of that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, prior to release, EA CEO John Ricitellio remarked that the company would not be able to meet the high demand for Rock Band in the 2007 holiday season, stating, quote, We're not going to be able to put enough inventory to meet demand in North America or Europe this calendar year or this fiscal year. And this prompted many retailers to limit the number of pre-orders they sold before the game was released. Now, official Xbox Magazine published the first review of Rock Band, scoring the Xbox 360 version a 9.5 out of 10 and calling it 
gaming's most intensely rewarding co-op experience. OXM also commented that the game's payoff isn't visceral or technical, it's emotional. IGN awarded the game a 9.4 out of 10, and an Editor's Choice Award for the 360 and PS3 versions. IGN largely praised the game, calling it one of the must-have games of the year, and suggesting it may just be among the best party games ever released. 1UP.com gave the next-gen versions of the game an A, stating that Rock Band unquestionably, unequivocally, rocks. The PlayStation 2 version of the game was well-received, but was subject to criticism for the omission of the character customization features, as well as the stripped-down Band World Tour mode. GameSpot rated it an 8 out of 10, stating that Rock Band is still a lot of fun on the PS2, it's just nowhere near the ideal version of the experience. IGN.com rated it an 8.4 out of 10, noting that the removed features made the game feel like a lessened version, but that the game still succeeds because it's infinitely fun to play with your friends. Reviews for the Wii version of Rock Band also criticized the lack of features compared to the PS3 and 360 versions. The Wii version is basically the same as its PS2 counterpart, but IGN criticized it for its late release and their effort in completing a full game. However, IGN noted that the drum controller was an improvement over the original version, stating the pads are quieter and the kick pedal will withstand more abuse. And that was a big difference in the Rock Band 2 drum kit. They made the pads like Mm -hmm. a soft pad that had a little bit more bounce to them, whereas the other ones were a very hard, loud pad. And so you, you sort of had more elements of electronic drum kits in the yes. Rock Band 2 controller, which made it, I think, a little bit more expensive, but made it more durable, made it more responsive, fixed some of the important things. One thing that I'm surprised to see a lack of criticism for here is that in the Wii version of these games, you had to put the Wii controllers into the instruments, which I mm-hmm. think made it a little funky and awkward. They had like these cases on the back you'd pop open and then you'd stick your Wii controller in there and you'd have to have that because of just the design of the Wii. I always found that to be really strange. Yeah, it's, again, because it's the Wii and it was weird technology smashed together. Yeah, the, the Wii was always, Nintendo's always been kind of one gen behind in a way. Yeah. Like the Wii tech matching the PS2 tech was frustrating. Um, but overall, still an experience that you could have fun with. Um, as we come to a wrap with this, Derek, with Rock Band, we've also covered Guitar Hero. We're covering Rock Band now. Let the people know, why do we choose it? And what do you think? Rock Band is such a influential game, I think, for these rhythm games specifically in this genre. And the rise was meteoric and the fall also meteoric, like just crashed and burned, mm-hmm. covered the planet in smoke. No guitar games uh, surviving. They've tried to revitalize this genre a few times now, and it just doesn't have that same magic touch. I don't know exactly what it is, if people just became disinterested in the style of music or the style of game. I do think that possibly some of the issue that people have with games like this is that, one, they would rather learn the real instrument. And so you had sure. things like Rocksmith come out that you plug in a real guitar into your system and you play a Rock Band style game, but on a real guitar with 
varying levels of difficulty, but still the same sort of reward system. And you're learning those real tools on a real instrument, which I think a lot of people became more interested in after these games came out. But then quickly you can realize how different it is playing rock band versus playing a real guitar. And so for me, I sort of have, I think, a unique perspective on this and that I was a guitarist before I was a Guitar Hero player. And the games are different. Rock Band is different from being in a band. But what it offers is a very quick satisfaction of playing music. Instead of going and learning someone else's song, finding a drummer, finding a place to practice, finding you know the time to practice and get really good at it, you can just plug in a controller and you can play these songs through and just have a good time. If you don't have a vocalist there, you still get all the other pieces of the music. And it's just sort of a relaxing experience in that regard. And that's what made this so fun. I think that there were some things that made these games challenging in ways that they didn't need to be. I think audio latency is one. Video latency is another one. Mm -hmm. It definitely, as a guitarist, messed up my timing on things. Like I had to start playing to a metronome uh, just to, you know, recenter myself because depending on the system that you were playing on, TV to TV, house to house, there was this different timing that sometimes would even change. You know, you would go and set the timing um, to your TV and then you'd reset the TV and it would be like slightly off again. Just these weird little things that made the game challenging in ways that it didn't necessarily need to be. Um, then there was, of course, the controller degradation over time that sort of makes for a frustrating experience as well. For me, overall, these games are like an 8 out of 10. I had a ton of fun with them when they came out. You and I played these games together for hours and hours and hours. There were things that I definitely would have changed about them. I think they fit so well in the genre and time that they came out in, but mm -hmm. they've definitely run their course. I don't see these games coming back. I just recently tossed my equipment for these games because they had degraded to the point to where they were basically unusable. So a pretty good life cycle. That's my review. What about you? Yeah, going back to like the life cycle of it, it's kind of like any life cycle of gaming, whether it is kind of like that arena shooter, FPSs, everything that we have kind of right now with things like Apex or Fortnite, uh, you know, you're going to have these life cycle iterations that go through. And, and rhythm games have, before this, have always been more underground. DDR got the closest, but that was just those kids on a Friday night at the random mini golf course that could go play the DDR machine that was there. So it was at least known in public mainstream, but wasn't really there. But what this did was pave the way for games like Just Dance, that Donkey Kong Jungle Beats game for <laughs> the GameCube, oh, yeah. using them drums, like random stuff like that that allowed more peripherals or move, more movement of the body or more rhythm ideas in gaming. Even like Crypt of the Necrodancer, um, which is an indie game that's based on like attacking and doing stuff on the beat. This is really what allowed rhythm style games to come to the forefront. DJ Hero, you know, following obviously Guitar Hero's success when they did it. And Rock Band really capitalizing and, and challenging Guitar Hero and saying, hey, we did it first, we can do it better. And bringing that band element. You know, Guitar Hero eventually kind of follows suit with that idea of it. 
And it's just really cool to see how that is. So if I had to give it a rating, I would give it a yeah out of yeah, but divide it because they did not have freeze pop on this. That was in <laughs> Guitar Hero and, and Freeze Pop is a great band. Um but still played other fun songs out of the Autumn Dragons, which was the name of one of my bands, out of ten. What was our band name? I don't remember. Something Jeff. Like, I, like I'm trying to remember like, the Autumn Dragons I remember because I was like the last one I made when I was like playing by myself. Outside of that, I mean, I cannot remember. It was like Infinite Jeff or something like that. It was like a Guaranteed. generated name. You would, it would prompt mm, the little text mm-hmm, box, mm-hmm. but it would give you a name by default. And I think ours was like Infinite Jeff. Listen, we were like, it. if it's yes. not there, we'll, we'll, we'll take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Um, definitely a lot of fun, these games. Absolutely. Good memories. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music was given to us by our friend Evan Barr. And our lovely artwork was provided by Aaron Shattuck. Thank you again. You people are wonderful, as well as those people supporting us on Patreon. If you've not checked it out yet, you can check us out at patreon.com slash finish the fight. We've got some physical digital rewards, depending on your tiers, as well as some cool gaming things we get to chit-chat and play around with. Uh, I want to thank a few select members today with Duststorm. Snide T-Bird, Nick Hyman, and Keller Kane. Thank you so much for your support. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We're also on Discord. It's free to join. I'll have a link in the description of this episode below. Just go ahead and click that and join. We're talking video games, of course, talking, you know, music, movies, food, all kinds of different things. Come hang out. We'd love to see you there. The smorg of things, some might say. <laughs> you could just also check us out on Twitch. See me at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That's twitch.tv slash s-o-u-r-m-a-n-7-0. As well as Derek at twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. That is twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. I wish that we could stream games like Rock Band, but unfortunately cannot. I'd be all over streaming cannot. some Rock and Band that is... Guitar Hero. It's pretty much why Fuser died. Fuser was a very cool game about like DJing and mixing and mashing songs. Unfortunately, right when Fuser started to come out was when all the like Twitch bans on music and copyright strikes was coming and it tanked. Oh yeah, man. Vivo came out on YouTube. They're like, we're going to make our money from our songs. No one else. You know, yep. you, you see that quote from Warner Brothers and they're leadership's idea on rights of ownership for music and hey that was really the dagger for stuff like this yep 100 percent. you can find this podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform if you haven't yet please drop us a review it helps us out a lot and we love to hear from you and with that this has been our coverage of rock band what are some of your favorite rhythm games what's a series or like a style of game that should come back, or that's going to be coming back soon. Let us know. Hit us up on our socials. Hit us up on our other channels. Love to talk to you. As always, I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And I'm your host, Infinite Jeff. And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Mm-hmm.